In the church calendar year, this is typically known as Pentecost Sunday. It comes 50 days. It comes after Easter, 10 days after the Ascension. And typically, the reading on Pentecost Sunday, for those of you that are familiar with it, you might remember that it's the reading where the Holy Spirit comes as this wind. And it comes through the doors, and it comes through the windows. And we're told that there are these appearances as tongues of fire. And then you read about the tongues that the apostles speak in, and they go out into the streets, and all the crowd hears in their own language the various tongues. And the lay reader typically struggles with the various languages and peoples that they read about. On this day. And I decided to change the reading. Not just for the sake of the lay reader. And the reason I decided to change the reading is because we typically know about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we typically know about those aspects. But we oftentimes forget about the results. When the Holy Spirit comes, what does the Holy Spirit do? What happened to the early church? And therefore, what is meant to happen to us? And many times, if you really, really think about it, there's a sense of, we don't know exactly what happened. And I'm sure the apostles don't know exactly what happened. Because they were in the upper room, they were praying, and then all of a sudden, all this incredibly powerful and dramatic effects, almost like Hollywood, happen. Where this powerful wind comes, and these tongues of fire comes, and all of a sudden these different languages come. And I'm sure the apostles were going, this is really wild. And then they go out into the street, and you have to know what people were saying about them, especially the detractors. Because the detractors are saying, they're drunk. And actually, Peter responded to them. He said, hey, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's a little too early to be drunk. Of course, some people I've seen, that's not exactly true. But back then, that was highly unusual. And so they said, it's not that we're drunk. And so what was going on? Because there's a sense of nobody knows exactly what happened. And we've all had experiences like that, by the way, where we don't know exactly what happened. Think about some of the experiences in your life that you know you went through. You have some recollection. You have some feeling for what happened. I mean, scripturally, my mind goes back to the Old Testament and what the Israelites experienced when they came out of Egypt, when they were delivered from bondage. Think about all that they experienced when they were delivered. 
All the plagues, the power of God, the movement of God, they come out in the wilderness. And what do they do when they get out of the wilderness? They complain. They grumble. They forget what happened. They're not sure what happened, but they forget. But God still answers their prayer amazingly. Because they say, we're really hungry, we want some food. And then something amazing happens again. What happens? God produces this bread from heaven. It's called manna. And nobody knows exactly what happened when this bread comes from heaven. So much so, the word manna. Does anyone know what the word manna means? The word manna means, what's that? See, a lot of you think it means bread from heaven. But that's not what it means. The word manna means, what's that? That's how amazed they were about what happened. They don't know what happened. And so they called it, what's that? Just to remind them they don't know what happened. Again, think about some of the occurrences that happened in your life that you don't know what happened. I think back in my teenage years when I was riding in the car with my brother who's one year older than I am. Twice in about a year and a half when I was 15 and 16, we were in two car accidents. He was driving both times. Once was his fault, once wasn't. And I can't tell you exactly what happened. Both of them were not good accidents. They were bad accidents. Many in this place right now fell in love, got married, and they can't tell you what happened. They look back and say, I'm not sure what happened. Because there's a lot of Occurrences, events, things that happen in our lives that we really can't put our finger on. And think about the apostles and what they were experiencing up to this point, particularly in the recent past. There was what we call Holy Week and there was Palm Sunday. This incredible event where Jesus triumphantly comes into Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden he's attacked and arrested. And then he goes through this incredible torture. And then the cross. And then they're devastated in the upper room. And then he shows up and they're startled with that. And he rose again. And then they see him several times in this resurrected body that they can't quite figure out. And then he ascends into heaven. They are totally off balance all this time. I mean, you need to almost try to put yourself in that place. So they go to the upper room and they're praying fervently. And then they experience this Pentecost experience. They have been in a what happened mindset. For weeks. But I can tell you one thing. The Holy Spirit changed them. And everything that happened changed them. 
And I want to focus on the results of the changes that happened to the apostles. But we need to actually start with the gospel reading for today. Because it really puts it in perspective. And it's in that same place. The same place where Pentecost happened. The same place where they experienced an incredibly intimate time with Jesus Christ. When he spent time with them in the upper room. Teaching them right before he died. Where they spent intense time in fear and in hiding. Where they spent that time where Jesus would appear the first time resurrected. And then they would spend intense time in prayer after he ascended. A roller coaster ride in that upper room. Constantly in flux, constantly imbalanced. But in the gospel reading, Jesus says, and it's important to know, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. See, what Jesus lived for was to know the Father. Our Father who art in heaven. To know the Father. To know the Father's love. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the extent of His love. You've seen that He sent His Son for you. To die on a cross for you. In your place for your sin. You've seen the Father if you've seen Me. And then I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to bring you that truth. Who's going to dwell in you. Who's going to be with you to bring you that truth. Because what's critical for your life, what's really going to transform you, if you have that intimacy, if you have that communion with the Father. We celebrate communion every Sunday. We seek Him in worship and in prayer Every Sunday. To know the Father through through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we are about. If we really understand our faith. To know the Father. To know the Father's love through Jesus Christ. The greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's why we need to begin with the upper room. We need to begin with Jesus and what his words say. Philip, do you not know? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the critical part of this. Now let's jump to Pentecost. And what the apostles, when they experienced the Holy Spirit, what they experienced... And they had continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's what we need to understand what we are to be about as Christians. That it's not just logging time in church occasionally. It's not just about being a good person. It's not just about being a nice person. It is about spending that time getting to know the Lord more and more. Through worship. That's the breaking of bread. Communion. 
in fellowship, Bible study, growth, knowing His Word, in prayer, individually, because we need that. We need that individual walk with the Lord, but we also need to pray with and for each other. We need each other's support and encouragement through community and through prayer. That's why the early church blossomed and grew. We are shaped and molded in spending time with, with each other. That's how growth is possible. That's how these character traits, the fruit of the Spirit, are developed, is when we spend time in community, encourage and supporting each other. That's how the church grows. If you listen to the last verse of this section of Scripture, and the church grew daily... Why? Because there was a quantitative difference in the life of the people of God. Because they spent time together, because they grew in the knowledge and love of God, because the Holy Spirit was moving in their lives and they were compelled by the Holy Spirit to witness, to preach, to share, to share the love of God with each other and then bring it out into the community. That's what the church does when it's being the church. It's not just about being nice people. God wants a people transformed. The early church wasn't unique. To just then. It's meant to be the church today. And the fruit of the Spirit that we see in the apostles, the kind of love that changes people, self sacrificial love, the kind of love that comes through the repentance and the cross of Jesus Christ, that we learn to love and serve each other. With his kind of love. The kind of love that Jesus talked about in the gospel reading. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. A holy love. The second fruit of the Spirit, joy. Jesus says in the final prayer in the upper room before he leaves the upper room so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. His joy. Not just fleeting happiness, not the pleasure that the world offers. His joy. The joy of serving the Lord and serving other people and walking with him day by day. And Jesus would say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when he would breathe on them, peace, not as the world gives. But it's peace amidst the struggles and the challenges and the pain of life. Not simply the absence of conflict. And what also happened on Pentecost in the next few days is they were misunderstood. I mean, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon people? 
is you don't always understand what happens in your life, and you are misunderstood. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't always do things the way we think it should be done, and certainly not the way the world thinks it should be done. You need to understand that. I remember when I made my commitment to the Lord as a teenager, sometimes people thought I was weird. I mean, sometimes people think I'm weird today, okay? That's okay. I can live with that. I used to tell my kids that. I can live with your friends not thinking I'm cool. I'm okay with that. But the world misunderstood Jesus. You know, as I said before, when the apostles walked out, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, people thought they were drunk. When the leaders of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and even the Romans killed Jesus, they thought that would kill the spirit of the apostles. And then the apostles all of a sudden show up at the temple. They start preaching. What happens to the authorities? They get angry. Say, this doesn't make sense. They were cowards just a little while ago. We thought they'd wimp out. We thought they'd run away. They, they haven't. They got angry. They got annoyed. They didn't understand. Of course they did. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But sometimes you won't understand what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. I didn't always understand with the gifts that I thought I had and where I was aimed in high school that I ended up being an ordained clergyman. It didn't make sense. That's what God had in mind. Misunderstanding happens with the Holy Spirit because He doesn't always do things our way. He doesn't always do things the world's way. But He wants to change us. He wants to redirect us. He wants to use us for His purpose. Because His ultimate purpose is for your salvation your transformation, your growth, and for the salvation of the world. That's what his goal is. And it challenges the world. And that's what Jesus did. It challenges the world. Let's apply this today to what we at St. Luke's are dealing with. And I want to share something about what the Lord is doing personally with me and has done, me and my family. First of all, it's St. Luke's. Let's think about this for a second. Prayer. And they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. We need to be fervent in prayer. With all that's gone on in our denomination, in particular right now, with this lawsuit. You know, as much as we have security with our salvation through Jesus Christ, we know where our eternal home is. This home that we worship in, we've got some threats. 
We need to pray and pray fervently for the resolve of this. I don't know about you. I'm getting tired of it. And I'm getting tired of paying lawyers. And the challenge to our diocese. We need to pray. As a congregation. And pray seriously. We need to pray about our individual stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. We reached our goal for what we wanted to do here in terms of the capital campaign, but we did a few extra things. So we have a little debt. So we need to pray about that. And some of you, your time and talent, the Lord has blessed you and gifted you with time or talent or both. You need to pray about how the Lord wants you to use that. As well as your treasure. Are you being a good steward of what God has given you? Because certainly the world demands your time and your treasure. And we certainly like to spend those things on ourselves. What's God calling you to? Do you really ask him how he wants you to use what he's given to you? You need to pray about that. In Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We need to be intentional about our witness. We need to be inviting and witnessing and maybe even preaching. Because the Lord wants us to grow. We've been blessed with a tremendous opportunity here. The Lord's given us resources in our worship, in our community. We need to share that. The early church was not shy about it. We can't be. And there's a world that desperately needs the gospel. Desperately needs fellowship. Desperately needs healing. We can't be shy about that. And prayer is powerful. Prayer changes us and prayer changes situation. And that's what I want to share. This week, and the time is right, I'm so thankful. Meredith and I are driving north, and I'm going to hold my grandson for the first time. Yes. It's nine weeks old. Haven't held him yet. Meredith has. She's been up there. But I couldn't go until we got past a few things here, like Lent and Holy Week and Blackaby Conference and Heritage and the Bishop's Visit and Steve's away this week on a surf retreat. Tough job. Uh, with 40-some kids and few volunteer leaders. Now I can leave this week after vestry. And I'm going to hold my grandson for the first time. But I need to tell you a story that's really great. 
Didn't think this was going to happen. Didn't happen before. My daughter and son-in-law moved to Connecticut in January, and typically they don't do a sonogram that late in the pregnancy. But because they moved, they did another sonogram on my daughter and the baby. And um, they called Charlie, my son-in-law, and Bethany into the office, and they said, we need to tell you that your baby has a chondroplasia, which is dwarfism. And most parents don't find that out because they don't do sonograms that late. And so Bethany and Charlie called us up hysterical, and uh, Meredith was crying. And because I grew up with a mentally handicapped little sister, I just said, well, we just need to start praying because this is not a short-term thing. This is a long-term thing. And I said, everybody loves a baby, but life gets difficult down the road. And so we just need to start praying now, and who knows what God will do. So they did another sonogram, a 3D sonogram at Yale Hospital in New Haven, which is one of the best neonatal hospitals in the country. And they confirmed it. So they went back two weeks later, and they did another sonogram. And the neonatal doctor said, well, this is interesting. His arms and legs are growing. And then the baby was born. They said he's normal. Perfect. And Bethany called us up crying said, I know it's a miracle. But I have to tell you something else. Two days after they found out at Yale Hospital, they called us up and they said, you know, God chose us to have this baby for a reason, and we don't know why. But God's going to do something with this baby. And we're ready for anything. And God will use this for his purposes. God was already transforming them. You don't always know what's happening. But God was transforming them at that moment. At the same time, he was transforming that baby. You never know what's happening. You never know what's happening. You never know what's going to happen. But when you trust the Lord, God's in the results. And that's the lesson of Pentecost. And we know what God wants to do. And we need to trust Him for the results. See, what God wants is a prayerful people. He wants a worshiping people. He wants a people that hunger and thirst to know Him. Psalm 42 says, As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul longs for you. And they continued in the apostles' teaching, 
and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's what we needed to do. And we need to pray for what's going on with this place. And we need to pray about our stewardship. And we need to pray about our witness because God wants to do something. We don't know what the results are going to be, but we trust Him for what He wants to do. And today could be a Pentecost for you. We're about to do a baptism. Some of you may not even know the Lord. Now's your day. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And come to know the Father. Because Jesus will reveal Him to you in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for the rest, let us be His Pentecost people. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of this day that reminds us of the gift of your Son, Jesus. It's by His cross that we have salvation and eternal life. And how your Holy Spirit comes upon us in powerful ways to change us. We don't always know what's happening or why. But we know you want to transform us to be your people, to use us. To be blessed and to bless the lives of those around us. Lord, fill us this day with your Holy Spirit. That we might truly be your church. For the sake of your people and for those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.